was just Mom! Running. I'm nine years old. I think I can tell when I'm not wanted. I just have to run away. Monica, don't be silly. You're not going to run away. No, I mean it. Well, I'm sorry to hear that. How long will you be gone? I mean, just in case people start asking. Forever. Well, in that case, I think you're going to need a bigger suitcase. Now, I've added your dad's wool sweater. I don't want you to get cold at night. I know it's a little big on you now, but you'll eventually grow into it. Oh, and do you plan on brushing your teeth? That's my girl. I've got your toothbrush and your toothpaste. Okay? Now just promise me that you'll brush your teeth every single night. Alrighty. Don't forget to write. All right, so if you don't know, uh, that's a scene from uh, Ramona and Beezus. Uh, a lot of us, how many of you guys grew up on Ramona Quimby? I know a lot of us did. Uh, great, it's, it's a great, uh, the movie is great. If you read the books as a kid, you know, the movie uh, really, captures it well. But uh, we're starting a new series today called the, uh, Everybody Runs, and the title of the lesson today is The Race You Can't Win. And uh, so we wanted to set it up with that clip there of Ramona running away. And uh, for all of us, every single person here today has or will at some point be a runner. Every single person here at some point in some way runs away from God. And we're going to be talking about a guy in the Bible who ran away from God, or at least tried to run away from God, and that is Jonah. Jonah's an interesting story, kind of an odd story. Um, you know, it, it, pretty much anybody, even if you didn't grow up in church, you probably heard the story of this guy who got swallowed by a whale or a giant fish. And uh, w what a crazy story, wild story. I believe it really happened. Uh, the main reason I really believe it happened is not because, of, you know, you read different people trying to explain how it could have happened and how he could have somehow survived and you know, I just believe it because Jesus referred to it as something that really happened. And if a guy raises from the dead, you got to believe what he, what he says, right? So I, I believe that, I believe it happened. It was probably, it was miraculous. In fact, the, the Bible records that as being miraculous. But we're not going to get into the, the fish part uh, yet. That's going to be next week. We're just going to talk about the fact that he tried to run from God. And, and you think about Jonah, it's easy to just go, oh, well, that's ridiculous what he was doing. But you know what? Every single person here can relate to Jonah, if you think about it, in the ways that we run and the reasons we run from God. Uh, really, it boils down to not trusting God is why we run, right? Because we think that his way is not as good as our way. Or we think that his way is going to lead to suffering or hardship or self-denial, or he's trying to keep something from us. And this goes all the way back to the very beginning in the Garden of Eden, right? Uh, Satan said, oh, God is trying to keep something from you, Eve. He doesn't want you to have this. And that's the same reason we run today, is we think, oh, God is trying to keep something from me. I, I'm not going to get to experience what the world gets to experience, or he, 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 he doesn't understand what my needs are, or maybe we just don't even really think about it, but we end up running from God, and we run to these other things. Uh, so if you're here today and you are running, uh, 
I, I pray that you can identify with Jonah and learn some great lessons. And, and if, you, if you are, you know, you know you're running from God in some area right now, maybe it's your finances. You're like, there's an area of your finances. You, you're like, I know, this one area God just don't ask me about, <laughs> you know. Or maybe it's a relationship, you know. Okay, everything God, except this one relationship, I, I really want to do it my way. Because he's cute, or she's cute, and I know she's not a Christian, or I know she's, but, you know, maybe she can become a Christian later, but she can't become cute later, you know. So, I just, I don't know, but there's a way, there's a way you rationalize it. There's a way you rationalize it, thinking, I'm going to run in this one area. And, and so, you know, no matter where you're at, everybody here, Everybody runs, okay? So even if people around you, if you're new to this group and people seem like they've got it together and they seem like they don't sin, or I promise you, we all mess up. We all have run or we will run. You know, we, we all can relate to each other. So this is just a way that we can, we can learn from Jonah and learn from each other. So turn over to Jonah, if you would. Jonah chapter 1. It's a very small book in the Old Testament. And so uh, it's a little challenge, Bible challenge to find it there for you. Uh, if you need a Bible, there's some in the information table in the back, or you can read on with someone else. Uh, and uh, so we're going to read here a little bit. When you run, three things happen. And uh, so or three things happen, and then one thing is a reality. So we're going to kind of dig into what are some of the things that happen when we run. I'm going to pray as, as you're turning there in your Bible, and then we'll start reading in Jonah. God, thank you for the uh, opportunity just to open your scriptures and to read these ancient stories that your people have taken so much encouragement from. Uh, thank you that we can have it on our phone or have our own Bible and just uh, be able to have access to your eternal word at any time and anywhere. I pray that you'd open our hearts right now to, to receive from your Holy Spirit what, what he wants us to receive. I pray that you'd really speak to us through the, the story of Jonah. And uh, thank you so much for Jesus and that he is our Messiah. And through him, uh, he is our cornerstone. And God, that, that we have a, a Savior uh, when we do run away from you, God, that we can come back. Thank you for this time. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. All right, so Jonah 1. Everybody there? Okay. Jonah chapter 1. It says, The word of the Lord came to Jonah, son of Amittai. Go to the great city of Nineveh and preach against it, because its wickedness has come up before me. But Jonah ran away from the Lord and headed for Tarshish. He went down to Joppa where he found a ship bound for that port. After paying the fare, he went aboard and sailed for Tarshish to flee from the Lord. So Jonah runs. He, he, God says, go this way. He goes that way. And uh, Tarshish, uh, well, Nineveh, first of all, was this very significant city. It was probably at that time the largest city in the entire world. And uh, the Assyrian Empire was the first really great empire. When you think of an empire, you usually probably think of Rome. Or maybe you think of Greece. Uh, and those followed, or Babylon. And th those followed really in the pattern set by Assyria. Assyria was the first, you know, before that it was mostly city-states. And Assyria was this big empire of many city-states. And Nineveh was the greatest city in that empire. And... Uh, it just shows you that God pays attention. You know, the story of the Old Testament is mostly the story of the Hebrews. But it shows you that that's just a window. That's just a window into God's working in the world. But God's paying attention to everything going on in the world. And God was paying attention to what was going on in Nineveh. And so he wants to send his prophet, a Hebrew prophet, to the city of Nineveh to preach. And, you know, I don't know why Jonah wanted to run. It doesn't record. You know, it could be that 
he uh, was afraid for his life that he would be killed. Uh, it could be, I mean, you know, it could be that he, he, he didn't like the Assyrians. The Assyrians were Israel's enemy, and he's like, why would I help them? Because you'll, you'll learn, you know, from the end that, that that could be why he didn't want to go. We don't really know. We just know he wanted to run. He thinks his way is better. And so instead of going to Nineveh, which was 500 miles east of Jerusalem, he decides to go to Tarshish, which is 2,000 miles west of Jerusalem. It's in, in it, it's basically part of Spain. Yeah, it's, I mean, he's like, I'm not only going to go the other way, I'm, gonna, I'm not I'm only not going to go, I'm going to go the other way, 2,000 miles in the other direction. And, uh, and that's, just, that's just what we do. And the first thing is that when we run, we run to dangerous places. When we run, we run to dangerous places. If you ask a five-year-old who knows the story of Jonah, you know, if you're going to run away from God, you know, what, what would be a smart thing to do? Or what would be a dumb thing to do? And it's, I'm, go get on a boat. <laughs> you, you know what I mean? Like, I'm going to run away from God, so I'm going to go sailing on a boat. You know, it, it's, it's like going, I'm going to run away from God, I'm, I'm, so I'm going to go rock, rock climbing. Or I'm going to go, I'm going to go do some dangerous thing. I'm, I'm on the run from God. And, and, but that's what we do. You know, we get into relationships that are dangerous. Or we get into financial situations that are dangerous. Or, or, we, or we do dangerous things with, with, with the resources God has given us. And when we look back, you know, you think about your greatest relationship regret. Or you think back to your greatest financial regret. Or, or the greatest regret you have when it, with regard to sin. Didn't you go into a dangerous place? And the people around you are like, what are you doing? Why, that is not good for you. Maybe it was substance abuse. Maybe, I, I don't know. But, but everyone else is like, ah. And you're like, no, I'm going. And so we run to dangerous, we run to dangerous places, the dumbest places. We never run to safety. We always run to dangerous environments. The next thing that happens, eventually things fall apart. You know, it doesn't maybe seem that way at first. At first, things seemed okay. Jonah's like, oh wow, I found a boat. Oh wow, I got a ticket. Oh, they're letting me on board. Everything is working out. And that's the way it might seem at first when you're running from God. Like, oh, this is good. And sometimes there can be even a feeling of euphoria. You know, because it's like you've been serving God. You've been doing what he's trying to want you to do. And, you know, you start to get bitter about having to try to follow him and his word. And at first it's like, woo, this is awesome. You know, it says at Eve, when she first bit into that fruit, ooh, that tastes good. And, and Adam's like, ooh, that looks good. I'm going to have some. You know, at first it's like, wow, this is great. I have a friend who is on the run from God right now, and, and I hang out with him, and I told him, I, I'm like, it's hard for me to hang out with you because I feel like you are so excited about your journey. But I feel like what you're doing is so dangerous for you, for your family. For, and so I feel heartbroken, and you're all excited. I'm like, this is, I can't do this. And, and it, that's what, what happens is eventually things fall apart. We see that with Jonah here, if we keep reading. It says, verse 4, The Lord sent a great wind on the sea. Such a violent storm arose that the ship threatened to break up. All the sailors were afraid and each cried out to his own God. And they threw the cargo into the sea to lighten the ship. But Jonah had gone below deck where he lay down and fell into a deep sleep. The captain went to him and said, how can you sleep? Get up and call on your God. Maybe he will take notice of us so we will not perish. Things start to fall apart. Uh, It's amazing how... 
in our church you see this when people finally decide to stop running and they go you know i i gotta surrender because finally life has just munched them (laughs) you know it's like they've been eaten and chewed up by life and they're like oh i gotta i gotta surrender but there's financial problems there's marriage problems there's relationship problems there's substance abuse problems. There's, there's wreckage in their life. And so that's why I, I love, we get to work with the teens a lot. And I love serving in the teens. And, you know, the teens, they go into darkness. They get lost before they get saved, believe me. But prayerfully, they don't get too lost. You know what I mean? Like there's not too much damage done before they come back. And I'm really so proud of the teens and the decisions that they're making to make Jesus Lord. Amen. Uh, Abby... Abby Hood got baptized last week. That was so awesome. We'll formally introduce her at some point soon. But, you know, these teens are going, you know, I know that that what Satan's trying to tell me is I'm going to miss out, you know, and so I should run from God because then I can experience all these things. But the smart ones are going, do I really want to experience, you know, uh, a huge storm and being thrown in the ocean and being swallowed by a whale and all this kind of... I would rather just serve God now. <laughs> you know, that's way better. And, God, and what you got to realize is God is the author of life. God is the source of unconditional love. That's what all of us want, is unconditional love. And yet when you run from God, you run away from the source of unconditional love. And so then you try to get that filled by other things. Relationships or, or projects or, or work or money or, or success or fame or whatever. We try to look for those things to fill this void of unconditional love and nothing else will fill that up except God. And so that's why your life starts to unravel. Uh, when, when, you, when you turn your back on God, when you run from God, you turn your back on purpose. We are creation. God is the creator. And anybody that creates anything, you create for a purpose. And you have a purpose for your creation. So, but when you run from God, you're, you're running away from the source of, of purpose in your life. And so you end up, you know, just kind of going through the motions. And you see this so often where... You know, people are on the run in college, maybe, and they're, they're on the run, and they, but they're, they're trying to kind of put their life together. But then after a while, it starts to hit them. Is this all life is? You know, the next Christmas comes around. The next Christmas comes around. Go to work. Get home. Get up. Go to work. Get, you know, it's just like this grind of no purpose. And why am I even doing any of this? There's a whole book of the Bible that's all about that called Ecclesiastes. The, the most wealthy guy you can imagine who's just going, what is this all for? I mean, I build up all this stuff and then I just leave it to my kids who are going to be irresponsible because they didn't learn anything. And they're just going to waste it all. And you see that with wealthy people, right? I mean, you know, what is all this for anyway? And so when you run from God, you run from that purpose. And yet Jonah, you, you get a sense he's a little out of touch because he's asleep. There's this violent storm. The guys are afraid they're going to die and he is asleep. Why? Because he's out of, he's out of, out of touch. He, he doesn't, you know, he... he Maybe he's just trying to escape from everything. You know, you ever have that, that kind of day? I just want to go to sleep <laughs> and hope the world gets better when I wake up. But for Jonah, it does not happen. So he's asleep. They, they wake him up. Verse 7, the sailors said to each other, Come, let us cast lots to find out who is responsible for this calamity. They cast lots and the lot fell on Jonah. So they asked him, tell us who is responsible for making all this trouble for us? What kind of work do you do? Where do you come from? What is your country? From what people are you? You know, the third thing that happens is we hurt the people around us. 
We heard, you know, these guys, they didn't do anything wrong other than accept a, you know, a ticket from a guy who was running from God. And yet they are paying with their very lives. They're, they're like, what, who are you? What are you doing? Why did you bring this calamity on us? We don't want to hurt the people around us. Uh, that's not our intention when we run from God. We think, this is just me. I'm not going to hurt anybody with what I'm doing. And yet you absolutely do hurt the people around you. Fathers, you know, guaranteed your sin, your, your sin will have effect on your kids. And you think, oh, no, it's not. It's just me. It's just, it's just my own thing. You know, my own issue with pornography or my own issue with drinking too much. Or, and, and you think, well, pornography, that doesn't hurt anybody else. It's just me and the, and the computer screen. It's affecting your relationship with your wife. It's affecting your relationship with your kids. I mean, it will do damage, not just to you. It will do damage to you, but it will do damage to those closest to you. And so that's why, you know, for, for, for teenagers, you know, sometimes your, kid, your parents freak out because of maybe who you want to hang out with or which, you know, who you want to spend time with or who you want to date or who, what you want to like. Because the parents are going, that person is running from God. And so maybe it's not even you. It's like if you are close proximity to somebody running from God, chances are you're going to get hurt. And, and, and so that, what, that's what happens here. And these guys, first they start by throwing their goods overboard and you got to keep in mind, their whole job is to get their product to this other place. So them throwing it overboard, that's an act of desperation. I mean, even if they make it, they're going to make it and go, sorry, we didn't bring anything that we were supposed to bring. But, and uh, and so, so they, they ask him, uh, you know, where, where are you coming from? In verse 9, he says, I answered, I'm a Hebrew, and I worship the Lord. Yahweh is, is the name recorded there, God's name, the God of heaven. Who made the sea and the dry land. Oh, <laughs> by the way, he made the sea and the dry land, which I wish I was on right now. This terrified them. And they asked, what have you done? They knew he was running away from the Lord because he'd already told them so. I love that. He gets on board. Hey, what's your name? I'm Jonah. I'm running from the Lord, you know. <laughs> The sea was getting rougher and rougher, so they asked him, what should we do to you to make the sea calm down for us? That's a, how do I answer this question, right? Number 12, see, Jonah knew enough. He knew the Bible. He knew God's word. He knew enough to know what was happening. He says, pick me up, throw me into the sea, he replied, and it will become calm. I know that it is my fault this great storm has come upon you. Instead, the men did their best to row back to land, but they could not, for the sea grew even wilder than before. Then they cried out to the Lord, Please, Lord. Again, this is God's name, Yahweh. So they maybe didn't even know God before this, but they're like, Please, whoever you are, you made the sea and the land. Please do not let us die for taking this man's life. Do not hold us accountable for killing an innocent man, for you, Lord, have done as you please. They took Jonah, threw him overboard, and the raging sea grew calm. At this, the men greatly feared the Lord, Yahweh, and they offered a sacrifice to him and made vows to him. They became believers. They became worshipers of the true one and only God through this situation. But, you know, so, so what happens is, as we're going to see in the story, is Jonah does get rescued and things do turn around. God, and God is waiting for him all along. So, so even though... We run to dangerous places, even though eventually things fall apart, even though we hurt the people around us, uh, God is there all along. So I want to watch what happens with Ramona, and then we'll, we'll talk about that point. This is after she runs, and uh, she gets a little way, distance away. She's about Getting to get on, on or not. bus. 
Ramona? Sweetie? Ramona? Mom? Ramona? Mom! Yes, where are you? Can you hear me? Mom? Ramona, sweetie? What was I supposed to do, huh? I'd be just lost without my Ramona. I'm sorry. So I don't know if you could hear that, but she said, uh, you made my bag heavy on purpose. And uh, she, she put a bowling ball in there. She put, she put some free weights in there. And you know, that's what God does. He, does. he allows consequences. He allows our life to fall apart because he wants us to come back to him. He loves us so much that he holds, holds out hope for all of us that we will eventually stop running and come back to him. And he's there all along. I love how uh, she hears this voice, mom, mom, because she has the baby monitor packed in her suitcase. Uh, but God will do that. He'll put a bowling ball in your suitcase sometimes. You know, he, he'll, he'll stick the baby monitor in your suitcase and he'll keep kind of making little references, making little... Hello, are you still there? You know, you know, you know that. Everybody who's running, we, we all, we nod our heads. Yes, yes. I, God was kind of trying to get me back, trying to get me back. I wouldn't listen. No, stop, God, I don't want to hear it. But he was always there. And he was always wanting us back. And, and, uh, and so he might allow you to suffer. He might allow you to go through consequences. But it's not to pay you back. It's to bring you back. He wants to bring you back to him. And everybody here that has been a runner and now is back, we all have that same story. I, so many of us related so much to Celie and his story a, a couple weeks ago uh, as he shared about how he was back. He came back and how he ran from God, but God was there all along. God was trying to speak into his life. God was trying to send people into his life, and then he came back, and, and he was so excited to be back. I love that song that he sang, Take Me Back. And we can all realize that God has been there all along. I want to read a story uh, uh, that's from a, a book called Soul Salsa. And uh, this is a story uh, of a Native American story. It says, One tribe of Native Americans had a unique practice for training young braves. On the night of a boy's 13th birthday, he was placed in a dense forest to spend the entire night alone. So 13 years old in this dense forest all alone. Until then, he'd never been away from the security of his family and tribe. But on this night, he was blindfolded and taken miles away. When he took off the blindfold, he was in the middle of thick woods by himself all night long. Every time a twig snapped, he probably visualized a wild animal ready to pounce. Every time an animal howled, he imagined a wolf leaping out of the darkness. Every time the wind blew, he wondered what more sinister sound it masked. No doubt it was a terrifying night for many. After what seemed like an eternity... The first rays of sunlight entered the interior of the forest. Looking around, the boy saw flowers, trees, and the outline of, a, of the path. Then, to his utter astonishment, he beheld the figure of a man standing just a few feet away, armed with a bow and arrow. It was the boy's father. He had been there all night long. You know, that's really God in our lives. 
He's always right there. Even in our our darkest night, even in our time of hardship, and we feel like he's so far from you. God says, I'm right here. If you will seek me with all your heart, you will find me. Even if you're far away, you feel so far away from me, if you'll just seek me with all your heart, you will find me. So if you are running today in some area of your life, I just implore you to turn back to God. Turn and face God. The, the, a lot of us have learned the, the Greek for repentance, which is a, a mind change, metanoia. Uh, Robert Crea told me a couple weeks ago, the Hebrew for repentance in the Old Testament is uh, to turn and face God. And, and so that's, that's, that's what it means to repent. Is to tur- You're running in this way and you turn and you face God. And you surrender to God. And you go, okay, I'm back. And he's always right there. Uh, Max Lucata says this. Uh, if there are 1,000 steps between you and God, God will take 999 of them and leave the last one for you. Isn't that so true? That God is always right there. He's always right there if you will just turn towards him. So that's what we're going to be talking about over the next three weeks with our series, Everybody Runs, is how, to, how do we get back to God? What does it mean to come back to God? And so I'm just going to kind of give you a review of what we're going to be talking about. The race you can't win, we're talk, we talked about today. You can run, you can try to outpace God, but he's always going to be right there in your rearview mirror. You cannot win a race against God, but that's a good thing. That's a good thing that you can't outrun God. Next week is going to be insights from an insider. So talking about the transformation of Jonah, we're going to read about in chapter 2 and 3. Uh, then uh, the week after that, March 22nd, is going to be Testimony Sunday. Everybody runs. We're going to hear testimonies of people who have run from God and come back to God. And uh, there's something about hearing other people's stories that just helps us to connect. And so that, that, that'll be uh, th- that week, March 22nd. And then we'll fi- finally we'll close out with a matter of great concern, March 29th. And that's at the end of Jonah talking about how Nineveh actually repented and what happened. Uh, so I encourage you to invite other people to come join us for this series. It's going to be great. It's n- never a better time to come be a part of the church than when we're starting a new series because you kind of get caught up in what we're doing. And then this series will lead us right into Easter, Easter Sunday. And we're going to be doing something a little bit different for Easter. I wanted to, to let you know about that. Uh, and, then, and then we're going to uh, kind of close out here with our, our kids choir is going to come on stage and do a song to sort of finish out the lesson for us. Uh, so Easter, what we're doing is uh, we're going to be meeting at Cabrillo Beach in San Pedro. And uh, you might have never been down there before. God just kind of led us to this, this great spot for Easter. So what we're going to do is uh, we're going to be outdoor service, but we're going to have breakfast inside together first. We're going to call it Breakfast on the Beach. And we're going to uh, be looking at Luke, the end of Luke, after Jesus rose from the dead, where he fed his disciples breakfast on the beach, Right? Uh, so maybe we should have just fish and bread like they had. I don't know, but uh, but we're going to have bre- breakfast on the... We might do pancakes and eggs instead, but uh, but we are going to do breakfast on the beach for Easter. I want to show you a video. This is... Uh, there's no audio for this. This is just a, a little uh, iPhone footage I took. This is the, the spot in Cabrillo Beach. So you can see it's a beautiful location. Uh, right there is called the Cabrillo Beach Bathhouse. And it's called a bathhouse not because you take a bath in there... Uh, it's, a, it's an old historic building, and so the famous people at the turn of the century used to go there, and they would go to the beach, and then they would get changed and stuff in, in, inside that bathhouse, so that's why it's called that. Uh, here's the inside of the bathhouse. This is where we'll have breakfast. Let's see here. Can you click that? Sherwin, it's not doing it for me. Okay, there we go. Uh, you can see there's a lot of people that do weddings in there and stuff. 
My kids are messing around with me. We went down on uh, our President's Day and took a look at it. So that's where we'll be for breakfast. Isn't that pretty inside there? Hardwood floors. It's really nice. So we'll be there for breakfast. And then uh, where we'll, where we'll have church, I'm just going to show you one more shot. This is of the... Uh, can you advance it for me, Sherwin? My clickers. <laughs> my kids are so well behaved, always. So that's the beach. That's where we'll, we'll probably actually be out there on the sand uh, for the worship service. So, so, you know, I want to tell you that now so you can kind of start thinking about family, friends. You know, people like to come to something that's a little different. So we're thinking we're going to have uh, breakfast at 8.30, uh, and then we'll, we'll, after breakfast we'll have a kind of shorter worship service right there on the beach for, for Easter. If you don't know where this is, it's, it's uh, down at the end of Gaffey, right? San Pedro people? Pacific. End of Pacific. We'll, we'll give you all the details, but it's right there, kind of, it's a beautiful spot. It's kind of a, people don't know about it, but it's a really cool spot. So, uh, is your very first job working there? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, cool. Yeah, it's going to be an awesome service. So, I, I wanted to take a little bit of time just so, you know, everybody's on board. So, you guys all on board with Easter? Yeah. It's going to be great. It's going to be cool. The thing, I, the thing I like about it is there's a lot of, there's a lot of churches that put on a huge show for Easter, like huge band and huge performances and fill, you know, there's actually going to be one right here in the, uh, at, the, at the football field here at Miracosta. And, and, and we've tried to do a little bit of that on Easter, but I like the idea of just doing something totally different. Uh, so it's going to be fun to have breakfast. I mean, that's what we do. I mean, we're, we're people people, you know, we love to hang out. We love to eat together. We love to just be together. So having breakfast together, uh, worshiping on the beach, it's going to be a lot of fun. So bring people to this series and then bring them to Easter. To close out here, uh, just with this idea that God is always there for us, the kids' choir is going to come on stage right now, kids' choir. And uh, they're going to be singing a song called uh, A Thousand Years. And this is a beautiful love song. It's a, it, it's a song about, and I want to think about this song as an expression of God's love for us. Uh, it's an, it's some of the words of the song I'll read, it says... All along I believed I would find you. Time has brought your heart to me. I have loved you for a thousand years. I'll love you for a thousand more. One step closer. So this is, a, this is an expression of God's love for us, how much God loves us, that he's always there. He's always waiting for us. He's always holding out hope that we will stop running and we will come back to him. And so he says, I've loved you for a thousand years I'll love you for a thousand more. Obviously, it's kind of metaphorical of God's love being eternal for us. So, where is the kids' choir? There they are. Let's give them a hand.